think about the things in your life that are important to you. Uh, these can be, uh, you know, people, possessions, values. Just, just want to hear from you. Just the the sort of things that you find um, find important. So just uh, maybe raise your hand or shout them out or something. Okay, family is important. Absolutely important to me too. Chocolate. Yes, I'm loving chocolate. Yeah. What else? Friends. For sure, yeah. What do you? Sleep, absolutely. Proverbs speaks about the sluggard, so that'll be that'll be good. So sleep is good, though. Sleep is your superpower. What we got? Legos, yes. I know David likes his Legos. What else we got? It's important. Yeah, go ahead, John. A job, absolutely. Especially when you're without one, you you enjoy the one you have. Good. Others. Kids, absolutely. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, the Bible? Great, great. Freedoms, yeah. Keep going, we got a lot of things that are important to us. Peace, yeah. Good. Health, yep. Freedom. Freedom. To do what we want when we want, absolutely. Sunshine, yeah. <laughs> Encouragement, yeah. Wisdom, that's a good transition. If you know where I'm going, you are tracking with me, you know that this month we've been looking at uh, Proverbs, we've been looking at wisdom, and we're going to be doing this for several more months as we've been working our way through Proverbs. Um, But we're looking today at wisdom This is the one thing that is more valuable than all those things. I mean, the family is is wonderful, right? And chocolate tastes great and describes and gives a taste of the glories of heaven, right? And uh, the sunshine is glorious on our skin and relationships and freedom. All those are good. But there's nothing more valuable to us than wisdom. Time of message this morning is the value of wisdom. So if you haven't done so already, I invite you to... Take your Bibles and open them to Proverbs. We're in chapter 3 now. And uh, if you didn't bring a Bible, you can always pull one from one of the chairs in front of you. It's on page 528. So you can look on. Last week, we looked at verses 1 through 10 of Proverbs 3. This week, we're verses 11 through 20. And uh, next week, we'll be 21 through 35. It's appropriate that we've broken down the, the chapter into those three sections. If you notice, each of them begin with a, a call to Solomon's son. Chapter 3, verse 1 says, My son, do not forget my teaching. Uh, verse 11 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. And verse 21, it says, My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. These are like like highlights and markers that says, Okay, this is kind of a, a section. And, and I'm starting again, my son. And starting another section, my son, my son. So we're going to look at this middle section here in Proverbs chapter 3. Speaking of the value of wisdom. Solomon writes this, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than the gain from silver and her profit better than gold. 
She's more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand and her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her and those who hold her fast call her blessed. just want to jump right into my, my first point this morning as we think about the value of wisdom. And uh, first point comes from verses 11 and 12. Wisdom keeps us on course. It's how valuable it is to it. It keeps us on course. In, in our lives... We are bound astray. Um, Charles Bridges, the great commentator on the book of Proverbs, says this, Children of God are still children of Adam. With Adam's will, pride, independence, and waywardness. And, in other words, right, we're all sinners. We're bound astray from the Lord. And if we are a, a child of God, correction will come into our lives. That will help keep us on course. It's called discipline. So it's called here. And the wise person is the one who accepts the corrections, accepts the disciplines, accepts the adjustments to the course of where one is walking, and the foolish person rejects that correction. Proverbs 9, verse 8 says, Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. And there's the, the, the idea there is that a wise man gets the discipline of the Lord. He will love you for it, will thank you for it, and then will adjust his life accordingly. And really, like a lot of this has to do with, with our perspective of how, whether we hate or whether we love, whether we despise or whether we treasure. I just simply ask you, when, when corrections come into your life, when a rebuke comes into your life, how do you receive it? Do you welcome it or do you despise it? And verse 11 through 12 are calling us to welcome the corrections into our lives. Look at verse 11. It says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. Now that's really hard. Not despising God's discipline in our lives. I think, who likes discipline? I don't think so. I saw one job. No, I don't. I don't think so. None of us like discipline. Who, who likes it when your sin is pointed out? We don't like that. Who likes it when we're told how wrong we are? What we said was wrong. What we did was wrong. And who likes it then when we're suffering for a wrong? Who are the children here who like to be spanked? What adult likes to be fired because of mistakes made on the job? Which of us likes to pay the speeding ticket because we broke the law and we're going too fast? That's a form of discipline. Who enjoys it when you're humbled and forced to confess your sins before other people that you wronged? I would say none of us. I mean, those are rhetorical questions, but those are really none of us would enjoy that. And yet the call of verse 11 is to welcome the Lord's discipline in our life. That's a positive way of saying don't despise the Lord's discipline. And it is counterintuitive because we of all people will justify ourselves. Because we always think we're right and we'll defend that very strongly. And yet wisdom understands that these corrections are, are what keeps us walking in the way of the Lord. As I have said, wisdom keeps us on course. 
And, and by the way, this is, a, by, this is the way of blessing. I mean, think about it. How kind is God to correct us and to guide us as we walk our course of our life? Because left to our own ways, we'd stray from the Lord. But God is there then to help and adjust and nudge and discipline us back on the way of the Lord. Isaiah 53 verse 6 says, all of us like sheep have gone astray. We have gone astray. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on Him. It's falling upon Jesus. And then we look to Him as the author and perfecter of our faith. We then can run with endurance the race that's set before us. It's the rebuke and discipline that keeps us really on, on the way. And, and, and this rebuke of God, this discipline of God, is an expression, hear this, of His love for us. Verse 12. For the Lord reproves him whom He loves. As a father, the son in whom he delights. And at this point, Solomon is calling for us to just think and reflect upon parental relationships with children and how a parent deals with a wayward child. Any loving parent will discipline his child, will seek to correct his child. Now, sadly, in our society today, however, though, it's the there are many parents who simply let their children go and make their own choices for their own lives and let them do their own thing all in the name of love. We hear our parents, we hear parents say, well, I love my child too much to spank him. I love my child too much to discipline my child. That, my friends, is worldly wisdom. That is not love. As the secular proverb says, he who spares the rod spoils the child. If you fail to discipline your child, you're raising a fool. Uh, Proverbs 10 verse 1 says that it will only be to your shame. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is sorrow to his mother. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. A child left to his own way will bring shame to his mother. In our text today, Solomon's addressing God's discipline in our lives, and the discipline comes as an expression of God's love for us. And if we see it as an expression of God's love for us, we will then respond in a right way. The Lord loves those whom He reproves. Now, this reproof can come in different ways. Obviously, Solomon is here speaking here of children. This is the primary application of the book of Proverbs. It's, it's a, a father to a son, right? to, to children. And when children do what is wrong, parents will... We'll adjust. We'll seek to correct. Sometimes applying the, the Board of Education to the seat of knowledge if it's important. And I just say, parents, you need to do enough encouraging that your reproof then, then comes. But there are other avenues, particularly for adults, where this might come. It might be a word of a friend who, who comes with a concern of an area in, in your life. Maybe a friend comes and says, you know what, I've noticed recently that you aren't spending much time with your wife and kids. It seems like every night you're, you're coming home and you're going out. You're just doing and pursuing your own interests. You're, you're always out doing some activity with your friends. Is that really good for you? Is that really good for your family? As the proverb says, Proverbs 27, verse 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. And such a rebuke could save a marriage. Such a rebuke could make a, a huge impact upon someone's life. They invest upon their kids rather than going out and enjoying a, a night on the town. Uh, the, rebuke may also, the rebuke may also come from your boss who, who, who says, pulls you aside and just says, hey, I've noticed that you've been coming in, you know, it's a little bit after 8 o'clock every day. 
But, you know, we have our 8 o'clock standing meeting every day, and, and you just cause us to, to waste some time there. And so just really, I, I would encourage you, if your boss says really encourage, it's kind of like a command, uh, just be there at 8 o'clock, please, okay? And that, submitting to that, may just save you your job if you listen to your rebuke. Or it may come from a police officer, Right? You're pulled over by a police officer for going too fast. You're given a ticket. And the discipline that comes, the fine of the government, by paying a few hundred dollars, may make you more attentive to driving. Or you may have two tickets. Did I lose something here? Hang on. Let me, let me try here. You, you may get two tickets. Uh, are we up? Let's try this. We're good, huh? We're good. Uh, we're good. We're good. Okay. You may have a couple tickets. So if you get another ticket, you lose your license. And that causes you to drive very, very carefully. And who knows if that will save you your life someday. It's Proverbs 15, verse 10. Whoever hates reproof will die. That reproof may come directly from the Lord. And it may be just slowing you down. But if you ignore that, you're, you're, you're in danger. Uh, the rebuke may also come directly from the Lord. First uh, Corinthians 11, when people in the church were celebrating the Lord's Supper in an unworthy way. Paul said, this is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. Because they've not been showing love for their fellow church members. They've been eating first, some coming drunk to the supper, dishonoring the Lord. And he says, God has killed some of you because of that. And some have been weak and some have been ill. And that was the Lord directly bringing discipline upon the church in Corinth. And I just say this, what weaknesses and illnesses do we have? Are we dying here again? Yeah. What weaknesses and illnesses do we have because we've not submitted to the Lord? What sleepless nights do we have? What anxious hearts do we have? Because God is disciplining us. To church family, I just say, verse 11, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of His reproof because God's discipline keeps us on course. It comes from the loving hand of the Lord. For the Lord reproves those whom He loves, verse 12, as a father and the son whom He delights. You know, this passage here, verses 11 and 12, is quoted in the New Testament. It's quoted in Hebrews chapter 12. And after quoting that passage, then, then uh, the writer of the Hebrews comments particularly upon this relationship <clears throat> between love and discipline. And, and listen to what he says. Hebrews 12, 7 through 11. He says, It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? What son is there whose father is not disciplined? God is our father in heaven. He will discipline us. If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, 
all discipline seems to be painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. You realize one of the things that the writer of the Hebrews says is that if you're without divine discipline, if you don't know what this is, then it may be that you're not a child of God. And if you're engaged in sin and thinking you're getting away with it, with few consequences in your lives, thinking, hey, this is, this is really good, I'm getting away with it. That's a bad sign, because it might be a deeper reality that you don't know Jesus. And you're not the child of God, and God doesn't have a concern for you like he has for his children. And if that's you, I just encourage you to repent and cry out to the Lord and trust in Jesus in his sacrifice upon the cross. Become a child of God and then know this discipline that will keep you on the right way that you might have some holiness. Because without holiness, the writer of the Hebrews continues on, no one will see the Lord. So don't despise the discipline that comes upon you for your life. It's a, it's a demonstration of the, the love of God for you. And, it, and it's not always pleasant. But it's helpful. You know, I think about my own dad and the discipline that he continues to bring on my life. I'm 52 years old now. And um, the past few years, quite frankly, I've gained some weight. And my dad on several occasions has noticed it and pointed it out. He says, Steve, you, um, you need to lose some pounds. He's pretty blunt about that. And uh, you've heard him say that to me, and uh, I just say, I know, I know I do, and it's not the most pleasant thing to hear, it's not the most pleasant thing I don't think for him to say, um, why has he done so? I know it's because he loves me, and he knows how 20 pounds are going to help me be much more healthy. And so I've got a goal, 20 by 2020, that's my goal. I'm like five weeks in, just a pound a week, and um, I'm five pounds down. So I'm just trying to look to 20 by 20, 20, just basically eating fruit in the morning, salad for lunch, no seconds at dinner. That's all I'm doing. So I'm eating, I'm okay, but, but that's what I'm trying to do. And uh, I could be obstinate and ignore such a rebuke, but I have a dad who loves me, who's willing to say hard things, and I value his discipline. And when it comes to the Lord, we ought to value his discipline in our lives because God is a loving father. You know, I heard, heard something recently about um, a guy who messed up, and his perspective was this. He said, oh, I messed up. My dad is going to kill me. That's like a, a fear before the Lord. But perfect love casts out fear, and the guy says this, oh, I've messed up. I gotta tell my dad. That's the kind of God we have. The God who's, who's not just gonna judge us and chastise us, but a, a judge who's a love, a, a God who's a loving God. And it's perfect love that casts out that fear that yes, is, is scared, but knows that he will come with love even in the discipline. And that's what we see here. The Lord reproves those whom he loves as a father as a son in whom he delights. So I encourage you to value the discipline of the Lord. It keeps you on course. Now, my second point this morning, wisdom brings us blessing. Not only does it keep us on the course, but also brings us a blessing. It's the point of verses 13 to 18. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. 
For the gain from her is better than the gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She's more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold fast are called blessed. These verses begin with the blessing of wisdom. They end with the blessing of wisdom. Look at the beginning, verse 13. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding that there's a blessing there. The blessing comes at the end of verse 18. Those who hold fast to her, those who hold fast to wisdom are called blessed. The blessing of wisdom, or as I have said, wisdom brings us blessing. Last week, my message was entitled, verses 1 through 10, the, the blessings of wisdom. I had intended, thought about going through verse 18 because of this emphasis here upon blessing. Um, but saw the my sons and thought we should stop at verse 10 and go on to verse 11. But consider, think along the blessings of wisdom from last week. If we listen to our parents, we can anticipate long life. That's what verses 1 and 2 says. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. It's like the, the fifth commandment. Honor your father and mother. Your days may be long in the land. Um, verses 3 and 4. If we're a faithful person, God will give us favor in the sight of God and man. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. This is just the faithfulness, the dependability, right? the, the kindness and the love and the loyalty. And if that's the case, you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. There's a blessing of wisdom. Favor before God and man. Another blessing of wisdom comes in verse 5 and 6. If we trust in the Lord with all our heart, then God will direct our paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will make straight your paths. He'll make Him straight as can be. You can trust Him for the direction of your life. You just depend upon Him. That's a blessing of wisdom. Wisdom is the one who trusts in the Lord, really realizing that God has the, the greatest wisdom, so we need to trust Him and His wisdom, not our own, and He'll make our path straight. Another blessing, verses 7 and 8. If we fear the Lord and turn away from evil, we can hope for a healthy life. Be not wise in your own eyes, right? Be humble. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. And doing that will be healing to your flesh. It will be refreshment to your bones. Your flesh is going to feel better. Your bones are going to feel better. If you but fear the Lord and turn away from evil and walk the righteous way. These, this is a blessing of wisdom. A blessing of wisdom. 9 and 10. If we honor the Lord with our wealth. We will experience plenty in our lives. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce, verse 9. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with new wine. It's a blessing of wisdom, right? You, you give to God first, right? You, you honor God with the things you have by sharing them, by being realizing you're a steward of them. And God will supply all your need. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And that was Paul talking about just in, in much... In want, in little, God supplies everything we need. And verses 13 to 18 speak much the same way. They, they lift high the blessings that we can expect if we walk and value and prize wisdom. And in fact, wisdom will bring, as I spoke about last week, health, wealth, and prosperity into our lives. Health, in verse 16, look there. Long life is in her right hand. Wealth, in verse 16, in her left hand are riches and honor and prosperity. In verse 17, her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. 
Now, of course, health, wealth, and prosperity can be distorted and corrupted like it is by many, used all, for all sorts of evil, by making pre- preachers rich, by you give to me and God will give back to you. It doesn't say that. It says just honor the Lord with your wealth, right? You give to whomever you want, but give and share of your wealth and God will, will help you with that. And it's only the, the preacher who gets rich. And it can be used all sorts of evil, like if this is a, a tit-for-tat sort of thing, like expecting, right, giving, expecting, right, God's going to give back to you, like this surefire investment. That's not how it works. This is, this is proverbial. This is poetic. In general, if you are one who gives and is gracious, you can expect well. And, and in general, if you obey your parents, submit to them. In general, you can expect to live long lives. God can protect you in many, many ways. And people can seek health, wealth, prosperity for the end in itself. So they're only seeking the health, wealth, and the prosperity. And they'll do whatever it takes to get that. But that's totally missing it. This is all about seeking the Lord and then knowing the blessings that come from that. But let's not step away from the fact that, that, that valuing wisdom brings us blessing. Now, some people can seek health, wealth, and prosperity like a, a divine genie in the bottle, making their life better, Right? Making their life, they make these wishes, they make this deal so that they can spend it on sensual pleasures. That's like totally missed it. Spending on, on the pleasures rather than trusting in the Lord. That's clearly not what Proverbs 3 is about. It's about the blessing that comes, about wisdom. And it says, how much more valuable is wisdom than health, than wealth, than prosperity? Because that's the point of, of verse 14. Look, look there, it says, for the gain from her... Again, that's wisdom. For the gain from wisdom is better than the gain for silver. And her profit, wisdom's profit, is better than gold. The things that wisdom produces is better than gold. So it's like health, wealth, prosperity just stops at gold. How about we go something better than that? It's what wisdom is. She, verse 15, is more precious than jewels. And nothing you desire can compare with her. We know the value of silver. We know the value of gold. We know the value of jewels. And yet none can compare with the value of wisdom. This morning, silver. Anyone have any idea how much silver is selling per ounce? 17, $18.27. I, I looked it up at 7 o'clock this morning. Very close. And what about a bar of gold? Golds selling for what? Fifteen oh eight. Maybe it went down. <laughs> I'm not sure. Fifteen oh eight and fifty nine cents per ounce. It's very good. Wisdom is worth more than that. And there are jewels like diamonds and pearls selling even higher than that. But wisdom's worth more than that. And so just think about wealth today. People all over the world are spending their dollars today, this morning, on homes and cars and phones and stocks and bonds and books and buildings. They're spending their dollars on experiences like, like travels and vacations and, and tickets to the game, which only disappoints if you're a Bears fan so often. Right? But wisdom is worth more than all these things. I mean, this morning, people all over the world have desires for earthly treasures. They have desires for, for yachts and for, for mega yachts and for, for private islands and for, for personal trips to outer space. They have all these desires and all these wants that, that people with so much money could drop down and buy and get and do all of that. 
But wisdom is worth more than that. Because it says in verse 15, nothing you desire can compare with her. It's the value of, of wisdom. So just think about it. If I had a typical gold bar in my right hand, just, just right up there like that. I mean, the, the gold bars that are stored at, at Fort Knox are about 7 inches by 2 inches by 3 inches. They weigh about 27 pounds. And they're worth $600,000. Like even if I could hold 27 pounds out there, maybe if I, I hold it like this. I got my gold here. Okay, you can picture it. I, 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 we just didn't have one lying around our house to bring us an object lesson. Um, but, but, but I have wisdom in my left hand. And if I could offer you one for another, which would you take? Oh, it's, it's easy in church, right? What's the church answer? Oh, I'll take the wisdom. Right? Because we're thinking clearly right now, right? We're, we're like really in on the chair, right? We're thinking clearly right now. But we go out of here. We won't think as clearly. Like, give me the gold. Show me the money. But I'm telling you, in reality, this is your best choice. Nothing you desire. It's more precious than gold. And the amazing thing is this. I don't have a golden bar to give to you today. I don't have $600,000 to give you today. I mean, that's more than I make in a year. <laughs> that's funny, right? But I do have wisdom that I can give you. In fact, I can give you a Bible. In fact, you may have a Bible on your lap. You may have it on your phone. You already have something worth more than $600,000. It's the Bible that will lead you to wisdom, but you just need to value it. That's what you can do. It's almost like, you know, gold is worth what other people are going to pay for it. But the truth of the Bible is worth what you're willing to invest in it. If you value it, a couple weeks ago when we were in chapter 2, if you pursue it like Forrest Fenn's treasure, you'll get it. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom, inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight, if you're raising your voice for understanding, if you seek for it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, if you just pursue God's word and pursue the wisdom there and pursue the Lord, then the promise is you will understand the fear of the Lord. You will find the knowledge of God because God gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Wisdom is within the reach of all of you. We saw in chapter 1 how wisdom is out crying in the streets with a, a loud voice. Right? Listen to me. Listen to me. I'm going to direct you in the ways of life. All you need to do is listen. All you need to do is seek and pursue. Pursue it with passion. The Lord will give you wisdom. But it comes down to this. It comes down to whether you value it or not. If you don't value it, you won't seek it. But if you see that it's worth more than a bar of gold... You like pursue after it. It just takes your time. It takes your effort to pursue the Lord. Now, there are a bunch of things that wisdom brings that's a value in your life. I just, I just kind of paged through Proverbs. Just kind of looking. This is totally a random sort of list of blessings from wisdom. Um, 
you could do this way more. This is not exhaustive. I'm just thinking, okay, so what are some blessings of wisdom that it, that it comes with? Wisdom brings peace. Proverbs 17, verse 1. Better is a dry morsel with quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. And wisdom will have the discernment to say, better to have a quiet home, even if our morsel is dry, and even if we're not financially on top of the world, and even if we're struggling financially, better better have a dry morsel with peace than it is to have feasting with strife. Like we got all this money, we got all these things, we got all these feasting, but there's strife and contention. In other words, peace is better than family drama. And wisdom knows that. And so we'll seek instead peace and harmony and goodwill. Wisdom brings peace. Or, or another one, right? We, we just do this with a lot of them, but Proverbs 18, verse 4, wisdom brings out good things. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. If you have wisdom, you'll be able to describe to others. You'll be able to teach them. Your, your, your words will be smooth. They will be delightful. They will be helpful. You'll be a service to others in what you say. Wisdom is kind and receives benefits. Proverbs 11, verse 17. A man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. So if you're kind, and even if you're just, just gracious, polite... That, that, that will come back good for you. Wisdom, if good things come back, whereas the cruel man will hurt himself because it will come back to him. What you sow, you will reap. Wisdom's patient. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. So wisdom will bring a, a patience which will make you a man of understanding and and you won't be hasty in your temper you won't exalt folly and you'll know the blessings of wisdom to come how about wisdom is humble and avoids destruction proverbs 16 verse 18 pride goes before destruction a haughty spirit before fall so the the wise one isn't going to be the proud haughty one and will then avoid the fall i mean you could do that yourself just read proverbs and see how valuable and how how helpful wisdom is in your life and that's just right here and just turn over a few pages and that's there for you to see. But ultimately, beyond Proverbs, I mean, the Bible speaks about ultimate wisdom and ultimate wisdom is, is really dealing with, so much of Proverbs just deals with whatever, save now because you're going to need it later, right? Store up because there's going to be something there, right? Work hard in the summer and in the harvest so you have enough for the, the wintertime. Be kind because it's going to come back to you. A lot of these are just worldly wisdom, things upon the, the world, but... But ultimate wisdom, we'll think about the afterlife and we'll think about, well, what, what about beyond this life and preparing for that life? And that's where you just read the rest of the Bible, keep going. The New Testament really speaks about Jesus. As Darren read for us today, Acts 15, it's not a matter of works. It's not a matter of circumcision that gets you there. It's through faith and trust in Christ. It's the, the grace of God that comes through believing and trusting in Jesus, the God-man who died for us. That's your only hope before a holy God. Is to be right before Him is to have trust in His sacrifice on the cross for our sins. And the wise one will turn to Jesus, not only for blessings in this life, but for eternal blessings in the life to come. Well, let's look at my last point this morning. All right, just 19 and 20, two short verses be a, a short point. But wisdom not only keeps us on the course, not only brings us blessing, but wisdom also created the cosmos. That is, it created the world comes in verses 19 and 20. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth and by understanding He established the heavens. By His knowledge, the deeps are broken open and the clouds drop down the dew. 
I, I think the point here is to show how great wisdom is. Um, that, that God himself even uses wisdom. He's not above wisdom as if he didn't need any wisdom. Um, on the contrary, when God created the world, he created it with wisdom and with understanding. And a world and its existence is a testimony to the wisdom of God, that God used wisdom to create the world. He created the world out of nothing. He suspended the earth in space. Yet its foundations are so secure that Psalm 93 verse 1 says that it cannot be moved. And the way the world is made and the way the world holds together and the way that the world functions all displays the wisdom of God. You know, scientists are out there trying to look for another Earth-like planet, thinking like there is life out there. And, and, and we don't know, but, but they're searching and searching and searching because, nope, that planet doesn't work, that planet doesn't work, that planet doesn't work, that planet doesn't work, that planet doesn't work. And finally, we have a perfect planet that works for life. And with all this comments and discussions and thoughts about climate change, they're talking about changing the temperature like just a couple degrees and having catastrophic events upon the Earth, right? Now, I know there's a lot of political things that tie to that. But if they're thinking about just a few degrees destroys everything, it's like God made it perfectly just the perfect temperature, exactly what we need. Verse 20 speaks about the ways the waters fill the ocean, perhaps how it flooded the earth, how the clouds drop down the dew, how it waters the earth and, and keeps the life going. But we could add further about how God tilted the axis of the earth 23 and a half degrees so that we experience seasons. So there's different parts of the earth that some are cold and some are warm. Some are, gives the land time to rest, destroys the insects, comes back and just helpful. Uh, we could talk about how God created the moon which creates the tides and stirs the water so they don't become stagnant and the oceans become a cesspool like a pond. They're not like that. They're always stirring and always flowing because of the moon. Thank you, moon. God created the stars to help in navigation. There's no way you go across the, the ocean in previous days before GPS without the stars. The stars are there to guide you on the earth. The first signs is even what the Bible says. And this didn't just happen. This was the wise mind and plan of God. He put it together in wisdom to work perfectly. And that's, that's to say nothing about all the laws of physics that allow light and heat and gravity to work the way they do in perfect harmony. Gravity keeps the earth spinning around the sun. Keeps the solar system. Keeps the, the sun compact so it doesn't just go out. Magnet, uh, mag, magnetics. Electricity. <laughs> it, it all works together. So we can see. So radiation works. So we get heat, hot. So plants can grow. That I haven't even said anything about photosynthesis and biology. And, and the diversity of life is amazing. It's all by the wisdom of God in his creation. And these two verses are like a, just a taste of what's going to happen later. In, uh, in chapter 8 of Proverbs, um, God's going to use wisdom. It speaks about how he used wisdom to create the world. And listen to what it says. It's Proverbs 8.22. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. You say, who is me? Me is wisdom. Ages ago, I was set up at first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. And when there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. 
before he'd made the earth with its fields or the first of the dust of the earth, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep and he, he made the firm skies above and he established the foundations of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, I was beside him like a master workman and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of men. And, and again, like chapter one, this is a personification of wisdom. This is, this is the wisdom that, that God created so as to bring about the earth. I mean, you think about it, the laws of, of physics, God initiated those. God created them. And just as much as God did that, He also created wisdom. The principles by which we should live, that, that kindness will be rewarded, that seeking faithfulness, you'll find favor in God and men. That if you're diligent like the ant, you'll store up and have enough. That if you're generous with what God gives you, he'll give you all with plenty. That is, that is God's wisdom that he established just even before he created the world. And then he created the world in, in all these different ways. Making it perfect according to the wise hand of God. Of course, Adam and Eve messed it up because of sin, but Jesus restored it. He came and died upon the cross, restoring everything. And someday there'll be a new creation that we will enjoy perfectly. But all these things is just a taste of, of chapter one, chapter three, just this little bit about by wisdom, God founded the earth. And I, I just say it this way, that, that wisdom created the cosmos. And so I encourage you this morning, even just to think and reflect upon, upon wisdom, is that, that don't despise the discipline that comes from wisdom, right? Because know that it's going to help you. It's going to keep you on your course. And, and realize that, that, that wisdom brings you this blessing, that it is to be valued, it's to be treasured because of this blessing that it, it is to us. And realize that God himself uses wisdom so as to create the world and how morality and people interaction, how that all works. Wisdom is great. It is to be valued. I say church family, value it. And we value wisdom. You know, in a, in a prayer time this morning, which you're all invited to, nine o'clock we come, we pray. Um, Darren led us off and just started by uh, just talking a little bit about James chapter one. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. And uh, really struck me as I was thinking, like, how can we be doers and not just hearers, right? So how, how do we go away from this place thinking, um, oh, yeah, that's good. Wisdom is valuable. Well, that, are we just to hear the word and maybe not doing it? So I just think it, maybe just put down one thing, just one thing I'm going to do this week to value wisdom. And that way, maybe you'll go out of this place, just not, not looking yourself in the mirror and forgetting, right? but realizing that, no, wisdom is valuable. This is one thing I'm going to do. And maybe you can share that in your small groups tonight. We meet 5 o'clock at the Browns' house, the Mulder's house, at our house. Um, going over this passage, really thinking about the value of wisdom, really thinking about application. What it, what's one thing you could do to help value wisdom more in your life that you can go from this place and be a little bit wiser tomorrow than you were before today? So let's pray. Father, I pray everything I've preached, God, that we would indeed value wisdom. I pray, God, that you would sear deep into our heart the conviction that wisdom is better than $600,000. Wisdom is better than big houses or exotic vacations or trips to outer space. Father, it's in our grasp whether we're poor, whether we're rich, whether we have much, whether we have little whether we're smart or not very smart, 
That wisdom is there for all of us if we just but seek it and cry out to you for help. So God, I pray you'd stir in our desires. God, perhaps even this morning to face some discipline of, of thinking through just where have I missed valuing wisdom. That you might lead us, keep us on the course, oh God, to, to seek you. And we thank you and love you. Thank you for Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, making things right, being the ultimate personification of wisdom. God, in him we trust. God, guide us in these things, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.